It is Monday, the 15th of May. It is shocking how quickly this month goes by. There's that old saying, Carter Worth, that the days are slow, but the years are fast. And I will tell you that's playing out right before our very eyes. This is Market Call, 1 p.m. on the East Coast. Today's Market Call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. You'll notice that it's just Carter and I here on the screen. Dan, Nathan taking a much, I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I think he's entitled to it day off. He's worked extraordinarily hard. Yeah. But Carter and I are going to guide you through what's going on. And until the last few minutes, not a whole lot's going on. The S&P has rallied about 10, 11 handles. I don't think that's necessarily a big deal, but we'll get into it because once again, as I said with Elizabeth Young earlier today in our on the tape podcast that dropped in your favorite podcast store. By the way, a great uh, interview with a gentleman named Geddes, who wrote a fantastic book about General Electric and all things uh, Jack Welch. That's dropped in your favorite podcast store. It's Groundhog's Day, Carter, 4130 in the S&P. Exactly. Yeah, we've gone up, we've gone down, but it's been sideways for a while. But before we get into the S&P, Let's take a look at some of the things out of Mike Wilson. And again, debt ceiling seems to be tr- top of mind for a lot of people. But what he wrote in his note, um, many have framed this thing as a lose-lose for the market. So when it gets reconciled, and it will, um, the market might knee-jerk reaction higher. You actually talked about that last week, only to realize, hey, wait a second, you know, we still have headwinds. But you know, there's so many things out there. Again, the market, the price action gives the bulls a lot of ammunition. All the other things, seemingly fundamentals, valuation. Um, this we saw New York manufacturing's Empire State manufacturing was just a disaster. Anecdotal, I know, but a lot of other things giving the bears a lot of ammunition as well. But you know, we have this tug of war at these current levels, CBW. Yeah, the data, you, you know, at some point you can find a data point or any number of data series to make any case one wants, right? And to some extent, that is the job of the sort of overseer or strategist, the individual analyst, right? It's more sort of in the weeds doing uh, work on individual enterprise and trying to figure out what their three to five year cash flow is, put a valuation on it, trying to work with interest rates. But the, the strategist role is is a lot of guesswork, but it has a lot of inputs. And you can find, of course, any uh, series one wants to make a bullish or bearish case. One thing we know is that inflation basically uh, has been declining month mm-hmm. over month over month. And um, to some extent, the bulls can say that's a very uh, constructive thing. The truth is, at the end of the day, and no one's going to want to hear it because it gets to be boring, but it's not a big hand. It's a pair of threes or fours or maybe even twos. Mm-hmm. It's just nothing. It's going sideways for a while. We're going to address some questions we got here for sure. Somebody asked me about Genesis. I don't know if they were talking about the band Genesis, but assuming that they were, it's a shitty band. So that's my sort of hot take on Genesis. But let's get back to the market because you did, again, you do extraordinary, extraordinary work, especially over the weekend. But it looks like the Ray, R-A-Y, the Russell 3000 seemingly top of mind. We have a lot of other things we're going to discuss, but Let's bring that up because I think you have some um, decent, well, not decent. I mean, you have some very interesting lines associated with exactly this. Right. So if we were just to hold aside the lines, we know that this is the market, right? It represents 98% of the investable U.S. equity market. 
Um, it's the S&P 500 plus another 2,500 stocks. It's about $45 trillion in value. And anyone whose eyes are working would say, well, it's up since that October low. And that is the case, of course, since that October low, this index is 11% higher. But what is sort of um, incontestable as well, and that first fact is incontestable, is that's the percent change of the index. But the median percent change and average percent change, the two other green arrows, for the constituents is unchanged. That is a remarkable thing, meaning there's always the debate about, well, how's the market year to date? Is there a breath issue? Hold aside year to date, that's an arbitrary. Has the market even progressed mm -hmm. since low? And one could say, why would you say that? Of course it's progressed. You see it on the chart, it's up. It's up for reasons we know. If, the, if this is a group and we're appraising the group, half of the members in the group, red arrow, are down. Mm -hmm. Half of the stocks in the index are below where they were when the market purportedly bottomed. And the median and mean performance of the constituents is unch. The index is simply a few big names. Hershey, straight up. McDonald's and Lilly, but also, of course, the more popular and well-pointed uh, out Apple, NVIDIA, et cetera. We're going to take a look at a declarative statement, but I want to take a couple questions that I would know you're, you are able to handle. First one comes from Arthur Magazoo. Hopefully I pronounced that right. I apologize if I didn't. And we can do this on the fly, Stephen, Jacob, and or Amanda. Can you look at the IWM, please? Obviously, another small cap index. And if we can pull up a chart on the fly here, you will see that it's really not done all that much. As a matter of fact, I would submit it's completely underperformed some of the other indices, specifically the NASDAQ, but the S&P as well. And you know, we're not at those levels yet, but this sort of 165 level is precariously close. I, I don't think it trades particularly well. Again, you're going to probably say pair twos, pair threes, whatever, but what are your thoughts on this one real quick? Right, so this is this is also the same story, a different way. If we were looking at the Russell 3000, of course, that first chart, and this is the Russell 2000, which the IWM is, it is telling the tale, right? How can that index of 3,000 stocks be up when these 2,000 are basically at the low? It's back to the same old thing. It's a few big players um, carrying the team. Now, Perchance, you know, put out a note last week playing for a pair that this has catch-up potential uh, and playing IWM on the long side versus SPY because we really do think that the Apples, NVIDIAs, and Microsofts are full, crowded, expensive, whatever word one want, steep, uncorrected, and that you've got a better play here. We're going to show a pennant in the ray in a second, but I want to get to this declarative statement, which is easy to type, not easy for me to say clearly. But you have some thoughts on this, and I think it speaks to, again, you can see this visually, some of the things you've just been talking about now. Right. So, I mean, again, this is in tabular form instead of um, pictorial form as a chart. But these numbers are sort of, they are what they are, right? We know that the index is saying one thing. And so the one way to characterize it is this, that U.S. equities as a group are higher in value in market cap, yes, than they were on the lows of October 13th, 2022, uh, being up about 11%. But the other way to state it is that as a group in the aggregate, 
they've made no progress because the average and median performance is unch, as you see. So uh, another way that, which is really quite shocking, no one even thinks that we could be below the October low, but look at that table at mm -hmm. the bottom. You're talking about a third, one out of four stocks is down more than 20%. They're below. So for instance, maybe on the fly, let's pull up 3M or maybe we could pull up a Newell Rubbermaid, NWL, pull up some stocks that are in steep downtrends. And you'll see that, of course, for every Hershey's and McDonald's, right, this is below its October low, right? Uh, that's, uh, is that 3M? Look at Newell, yeah. NWL. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in order for the market, um, how does the market overcome stocks in steep downtrends? Names we know, Newell, uh, Rubbermaid, my goodness, or 3M. You've got to have it. Let's do it. HSY or an MCD. You've got to have a McDonald's or a Hershey up and to the right. So it's not just tech that's doing that, right? It's it's Lily McDonald's. And so it all nets out, and we know this too, that the market is, you started out the conversation, Groundhog's Day. We're sitting here day after day. We're the exact same level we were in the first days of April. We're getting into the middle of May now. So something we'll have to give, or um, maybe the steep gets steeper, McDonald's gets, and the 3Ms keep getting lower, and we still net out mm -hmm. to zero. To zero. Is that here's the problem. They're not the same thing. And so let's say it this way. The steep ones at some point, let's take McDonald's at 28 times, you know, it, it gets expensive. Um, but the ones that are going down aren't cheap because there's no such cheap as a dirty word. They're value traps. That is exact. And that was going to be my point. So let's look at this, the the Russell, the RAY, the 3000 in this pennant formation. And you can address that. But let me just speak to what you just said. What's happened is, you know, the expensive stocks are getting more and more expensive each day. So clearly there's this perceived, and we're just talking through the lens of this, but there's this perceived flight to quality. And again, these are great companies, but at a certain point, great companies become great expensive companies. And that's a hard, it's hard to wrap your head around that at certain valuations. And we're fast approaching those other names that have underperformed have been exactly what you said, value traps that. Quite frankly, in some of these stocks, the lower they go, sometimes they're going lower for a reason. They're actually getting more expensive on valuation. But, you know, that's probably a conversation for another time. Here's the pennant formation. Obviously, with each passing day, those lines converge. The ranges get smaller until we have some sort of reconciliation one way or another. Right. And, and what one can see here is that if you look back at the entirety of the chart, it's, it's very directional. There are intermediate declines and intermediate rallies, declines and rallies. There are very little, in fact, there are none, periods that are analogous to this. We've stopped trading. The thing has stopped trading, but it hasn't stopped trading because in that five, seven-week period, Lilly, McDonald's, Hershey, NVIDIA, Apple are straight up. Well, Bank XYZ and Energy Stock XYZ and Newell Rubbermaid 3M and a whole bunch of others are straight down. How you mix it all up in a salad bowl and call it the market is kind of preposterous, but that's what we've got. Big week this week in terms of earnings. Um, our crack staff of Amanda, Stephen, and Jacob put together this slide, and we take a look at it. We can see who's reporting and when. And it's a retail week, effectively. Yes, listen, AMAT, I get it. Alibaba, that's probably its own animal, given some of the volatility. Cisco, obviously a different animal. But then you look, Home Depot, Target, TJ Maxx, Walmart, huge on Thursday. Foot Locker on Friday. You're going to get a pretty decent swath of earnings in terms of retail. And again, I don't know what kind of read it is on the consumer, but it'll certainly be a read in terms of some of these stocks. So 
Let's speak to that, Carter, because you brought some slides along with you. Right. So just um, I think we've got one chart for each one. But these are these are major um, and important stocks, not just because they're retail and the consumer is the big part of the U.S. economy. Um, but we know that they're major employers. You add up the, you know, the five, six hundred thousand employees at, at, a, at a Home Depot and a million or whatever it is now, two million at Walmart and so forth and so on. So you, it gets to personal income. It gets unemployment. It does speak to consumer spending, uh, trading up, trading being down and all of it, groceries, the whole thing. Anyway, the XRT, of course, is one way mm -hmm. to uh, tackle it because here we eliminate the overdue influence of Walmart or, or Amazon, They're both in this stock. So are sort of low quality retailers like Carter's and Urban Outfitter and Gap. No one needs Gap. You can get a t-shirt anywhere, but it, on it goes. So 89 stocks, 2.4 trillion. The biggest weight is 1.85%. So it's almost equal weighted stock per stock. And if we look at the chart, of course, of the XRT, now talk about back to the first statistic, if the median and mean stock in the market hasn't actually gone up since the low, this is a testament to it. This index of 89 stocks is basically sitting at the low. There has been no rally or worse. There was a rally, which you can see, and it failed. Let's put some trend lines on there. And what we know is we have worked into, similar to the market, uh, the apex of the formation and while the market is not resolved yet, up or down, this one is being resolved in live uh, on your screen. It's it's down. It's not good. Uh, let's put in some arrows. You know, kind of the word to the penny over and over and over, converging, and then coming out through the bottom. You have some other charts as well, and this sort of shows in a different format the, the rounding off of different levels and how it appears as though – we're right back down. We'll take a look at that spider ETF, but then we'll get into specifics in terms of target. But that is a, just a different way to illustrate, I think, the point it's that the you're making. the same exact chart, right, exactly. So you you round trip. You see where it takes off, essentially, right? It, it explodes. The upside gets quite extended. It retraces all of it. And then it's just sitting here along the bottom. And to be fair, it hasn't broken, um, but it's attempted to rally and failed. And so now it's really um, filler kill as the expression goes on wall street and uh i think it's gonna it's gonna break down how important again this is just us having a conversation and you mentioned the number of stocks and the market weight how important do you think this could be potentially for the broader market because we're effectively through the majority of earnings season we have these handful of stocks this week which are important nvidia next week i think it's next week or the following week will be equally important but is this potentially a broader market moving event or is this just sort of you think just going to be xrt specific uh probably not broader market moving i suppose walmart but walmart is such a, a curious character with all of its tentacles is it really a grocery store is it you know does it it prospers when things are poor because people trade down it, it you know you can go in there and whatever the point is that it's its own thing home depot in a way is very interesting because the housing stocks are strong mm -hmm. you know the toll and pulte and and uh, Horton are making 52 week highs and Home Depot, which uh, while not a housing stock is correlated to the buildings trade and it is hovering at a low. Uh, that will tell a lot. I think it may be more important than Walmart. Let's take a look at Target. Uh, it's incredible what this stock, some of the pitfalls over the last couple of years have been in a word um, astronomical. I mean, you see that move go back if your eye will take you to that um, one, that first quadrant of the chart, 
and you can see the huge amount of volume that it traded on that flush to the downside. But stock hasn't really done all that much since. Yeah, it's bounced, it's sold off, it's bounced, it's sold off. Each circle sort of represents that. But here we are, basically where we started, I want to say, this time last year. So thoughts on this? Yeah. Well, to your first citation there, that drop in Gap and Walmart has the same one. Those were the single worst one day since 1987 for both Target and Walmart. They were earnings and they were earnings disasters. Now, to be fair, it really has never gotten worse since then. That was going back to um, basically May, where mm -hmm. we are now, of course, of 2022, a year ago. And so um, as I've annotated, you know, green arrows for up, red arrows for down, and blue arrow going sideways for a pair of twos, I just think, you know, this is, you don't do it. Or maybe even sell volatility, you know, and that 180 level is uh, very hard to get back up there. And, you know, uh, maybe something as wide as uh, 150. But either way, it just looks like a pair of twos to me. You know, it's interesting. Again, these are all fascinating when you visually see this. The bulls will say we're basing and, and they might be. I'm not suggesting either side is right. I'm just trying to say what people say. We're basing and we're about to sort of fill that gap that we made a year or so ago. Valuation is compelling. They figured out their problems, which you know what? I could buy that. I can understand that. The flip case is we've gone nowhere over the course of a year. Some of these other retailers have bounced. Target hasn't. We're just sort of sideways until we take the next leg lower. To your point, that's what makes markets. But the more likely outcome is exactly that. We just continue to go sideways right. until we get some catalyst. You don't have to trade every stock. I mean, the interpretation that it's basing and bottoming is, for now, accurate in that there are time stops on that kind of thing. I mean, if your stock drops and then bases and bases, there's a called failure to launch. It's like, well, you never quite get going. Come on. Are you Meaning just because you're not going down doesn't mean you're turning and curling up and rounding and turning and becoming a reversal, right? So mm -hmm. um, the, the net of it is that it got re-rated in a major way. In fact, how major? The biggest one day drop since 1987. And it's the same damn price one year later. Which is, which, which again, I think until you see it visually, it's hard to sort of wrap your head around that because I'm sure if you'd asked a lot of people that do this for a living, you know, what's Target done? I don't think most people would have seen this outcome um, if they had really thought about it. But here we are. Home Depot is another one. Now, we might have a difference of opinion here. Um, it's pull up a Home Depot. There it is. So I would submit, you know, Home Depot's its support levels. You know, you go back to June of last year, September, sort of this 275-ish level has been support. And I think you would acknowledge that as well. Your work suggests so we're going to break that support. You can make a compelling argument for Home Depot in terms of valuation. It's actually trading right around a market multiple, which historically is cheap to itself. All that might not matter, by the way. Um, and we're going to find out soon enough. But here we are. And that's what makes markets. So speak to me about this sort yeah, of down I mean, arrow. The, the down arrow, I put that there because of the bearish price volume correlation and the poor relative strength to the market. Um, the uh, the point you make, and it's nothing to do with charts, but one could say, hey, listen, let's write this down, Carter, and put it in your pocket. If ever you can buy Home Depot at 17, 16 times earnings, you should do it. Meaning, you know, you hold it for three years, you're probably okay. That's not what I do. It, it doesn't act well. Uh, but to acknowledge that point, and I think you said evaluation, it's certainly not expensive. 
We're going to take a look at another chart. I'm going to call a bit of an audible here because you addressed this a while ago, and I've talked about it, and Doug Cass now has written about it, and he may have sent you an email. But if we could put up a five-year chart of J.P. Morgan or around that sort of time frame, so Jacob, Amanda, and or Stephen, if that's possible, because what you've pointed out and what Doug has pointed out, and he's talked about the importance of this, you look at this chart and you could say, wait a second, this is sort of pretty interesting here. This is a pretty long-term head and shoulders formation. Am I looking at this correctly? I mean, well, how would I say it? Meaning, Potentially. Yes, yes, right. That's the key word. I mean, it, we can, you know, they, when you look in the clouds, you see a lot of things too, mm -hmm. right? You lie your back in the grass. The point is that, and uh, it can be, it, it, certainly we can look at the current level and compare it to what prospectively is a left shoulder. Now, trying to figure out whether that's how it's going to be resolved, it gets into the nuances of what's the relative strength to its peers. It's actually quite good. Um, how is it uh, to not only its peers, money center banks, but to financials in general? Mm -hmm. um, and so in that, those scores, it's not quite clear. I would say no trade here, pair of twos, whereas the most nuanced thing, if you were to look at a ratio chart, a relative strength chart of J.P. Morgan to the BKX, it is literally like Mount Everest. It is straight up. Yeah. So at what point is the money all just going to J.P. Morgan? And is J.P. Morgan too expensive relative to other financial operators? Big money we're gonna, listen, and that story has not played itself out yet at all. So it's either, again, either. At some point, you have to make a decision, but you have to say to yourself, how long can this relative outperformance, again, the stock hasn't done all that much to this point, but the relative outperformance to its group, how long can that last? And I don't and, know if it can necessarily, Carter. Right. And also, to be fair, I mean, the, the true cynic or the someone who's properly skeptical would say, so isn't the issue we're dealing with a management issue that you can you can you can't get yourself really in trouble selling garden hoses and and uh, skateboards at Walmart, but you can when you have other people's money in the form of deposits and you uh, you overuse leverage. So if too big to fail is one of the biggest things, systemically important is that the word or phrase they use. Um, we just got made this one even bigger. Mm -hmm. It's taking over, and isn't it its predecessor, the one that blew everything up, Mr. Sandy Weil, eliminating Glass Siegel, and indeed, literally. Blowing everything up. Right before our very eyes, you yeah. have, you know, we we, get, we try to get away from that too big to fail. But if you think about what's happening, and just in terms of deposits that they've taken in over the since Silicon Valley Bank, J.P. Morgan, right before our very eyes, almost is becoming that bank again. It's not for today, tomorrow, or even the next couple of weeks, but that's going to play itself out for sure. Let's take a look at Walmart because again, this stock. I don't think people realize. I mean, we're brushing up against all-time highs in this name. It's probably gotten itself a bit expensive in terms of valuation. Your work suggests, though, we're probably going to roll here. I think it's a big move to a difficult level. It's a relative performance, of course, compared to – it's a little bit like the J.P. Morgan scenario compared to a Target, right, or uh, other retailers that are at or near 52-week lows. One could say, well, yes, but good technique says you favor relative strength. You stay with winners, and that is all true. Um, but at some point, uh, you get to – there's that moment in a piece of fruit when it's ripe, ripe, ripest, and then one second, instant more, the fruit flies are there, and it's gone bad. Mm -hmm. it, it, this is awfully good, 
We know that, just like J.P. Morgan. But how much more? My hunch is to sell calls at least, uh, to take some measures if you're long. Uh, with new, fresh money as a trader, I'd rather bet short than long. Every time you get to sort of a standard deviation away from that, especially in a name like Walmart, which is such a behemoth, you know, it typically mean revert. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. TJ Maxx is a completely different story, though, because they win to everybody else's, I don't want to say failures, but other pro other people's problems are TJX's sort of gold. And, and one can see, I mean, how many stocks were making new 52-week highs in January or February within retailers. This was, and this sells off, okay? All stocks sell off to the March low, and this one holds the 150-day to the penny and bounces. Good relative strength. I think it deserves the green arrow. And we have earnings from them. I, you know, and again, valuation becomes a bit of a problem there, but, you know, their valuation has been stretched for a while. And in terms of retail, it's zero. In the large part, retail is zero sum if you think about it. And somebody wins to somebody else's losses. And it looks right now as though TJ Maxx is going to be the one. Ross Stores is in a similar position, but the stock probably tells a different story. It's not quite as good. This is a good toggle moment. Let's toggle back and forth between the last two. Above the 150-day, below. Above, below. So relative strength is not as good. I've given it the old pair of twos, sideways blue arrow, um, but we shall see. A couple of questions came in about gold. I'm not, not that I'm saving the best for last because everything you do is best, but gold obviously hangs in there like a freaking champ. Um, dollar up, dollar down, rates up, rates down. Debt ceiling, no debt ceiling. It sticks in there. Again, we have a gold chart. We can pull it up. It's our chart, um, but you can speak to it. I think we're getting ready for the next leg higher. As a matter of fact, when you see M&A in the space, like you read about earlier this morning, that just solidifies my argument. What are your thoughts here? Or, or are we sort of too far away from that moving average? And we're going to mean revert here. Um, we're not so far above because of the sell-off in March. If, as depicted on the screen, we had gone from those actual lows, November 22nd, to where we are now, straight up, yes, that's steep, uncorrected, a long time in the making. But it's that March swoon that corrected the situation. And so I think it's great. And to your point, you know, when you start seeing um, consolidation and M&A in a group, uh, they're not doing that just to have fun. Uh, GDXJ is the ETF for junior miners, GDX being the bigger ones, a good time to own GDXJ. We have a question from Mark. He asked about Jets, the ETF. You had talked about it a couple of weeks ago as a turnaround play. He, he's looking for an update. I don't know if, well, I do know. I mean, we'll pull the chart up and take a look. Um, again, airlines have been up and down. It's, it's, been, it's, it's basically been sideways as well. You had that brief move higher, but you go back and look. You know, we've been basically treading water here too, CBW. Yeah, it's not working. I might, might just exit that if you're, if you've, if you've triggered your own stop loss or wherever that might be. But certainly reduce. If something's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, it's usually better just get a little smaller, and then reevaluate. If it keeps not working, get a little smaller. It's usually right to get away from things that aren't good. You can stay in a really bad job with a bad boss, you get away from it. Stay in a bad relationship, you can stay in a bad uh bet in the market or you can get away from it you know i guess in ending here and this is more of a it's not philosophical because it's going to play out one way or another 
and I think you sort of alluded to this last week, the sort of the denouement, sort of, the, I guess, the ultimate um, last chapter of at least this market in, in terms of this sort of sideways action we've seen could be written by this debt ceiling. And maybe a, maybe a debt ceiling, you know, both sides come into some agreement might give the market that 35 to 50 S&P handles to the upside, but that might be the last gasp. And maybe that's what the bears need to happen in order for this whole thing to play itself out. Is that scenario possible? Or am I really just reaching here? Certainly it's possible. Maybe we can go to that Russell 3000 chart with uh, with uh, converging trend lines. The, the issue is, does strength really help it? And, does weakness really hurt it? And, and mm -hmm. you might see that uh, what we have is a, a circumstance where a little bit of strength doesn't really improve the situation. So what? We go up another three to five. We're so far off the high. It's going to take a lot of time to repair the damage of the swoon uh, since the peak of January of 2022. But weakness here would really start to put in question the rally from the low. Because then, if right now half of all stocks in Russell 1000 are below the, where they were, how many do you think will be below if we drop another 5 6% from here? You're talking about more of the market would be below its October low than above, stock by stock. Yeah. And people say I'm reaching there. Maybe I am reaching. I don't know. See, my point is, I guess, that even if the debt, you know, people say the Fed's out of the way. Paul Tudor Jones earlier today said, the Fed is probably can the Fed can declare victory again. I, that's an odd choice of words, but okay. And maybe the yes, I I believe the Fed is done. I think you would probably agree the Fed is done as well. But that's not necessarily bullish, because obviously although inflation is coming down, the the effect, the impact on the economy is still starting to be felt. Look at that Empire State manufacturing number was a disaster. Anecdotal, I know, but we're seeing more and more of that and. If this debt ceiling gets reconciled, that's great for a day or two, but that's not necessarily what's weighing on the economy and or stocks either. That's just one other thing out of the way. But again, 500 basis points of hikes over a year have not been felt. So yeah, maybe I am reaching, but this does not, none of this cures the ills of this market, I guess is my point, Carter. Yeah. And I, if you can, I think we can all agree that Market can only do one of three things today, up, down, or sideways. One or three things this week, any month, any given year. You can only do one of three things, up, down, or sideways. Um, with clients, we basically sort of summarize it always in the last year and a half as sideways to down, by our work, captures 85 to 90% of the odds. Yeah. Meaning, okay, can it go up? But that's not the high odds bet, I don't think. And it's interesting. Somebody echo signal is putting out. I didn't see this comments from Neil Kashkari, who I'm not a particularly big fan of, but I guess he said, and I'm just assuming what you put out is right. We should not be fooled by a few months of positive data. I guess positive. If he means by positive inflation sort of coming down, I happen to agree with him. Otherwise some of the data has, has not been necessarily all that positive, but Again, I don't know what context he was speaking, so I just wanted to pull that up. But that's it, Carter Braxtonworth. I appreciate you joining. I love that. I mean, the orchids behind you are fantastic. Uh, for you folks playing our home game, you do not water orchids all that. Um, you don't do it with a, with a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for, regularity. It's once a week. You put a couple of ice cubes in there, 
and sort of let it do its thing. So I'm sort of picturing you with an eyedropper, very delicate. Yes, or an eyedropper. Less is more when it comes to orchids, but less is not more when it comes to Carter Braxton Worth. More is effectively more, and we're going to have him back on Wednesday. I believe Dan will be back tomorrow. I want to thank FactSet Financial Data and Analytics, powered by tomorrow. Obviously, thank the audience. Interesting rest of the day here as we sort of continue to do this sort of 4130 level in the S&P. It's astounding. But as the movie said, something's got to give, and maybe we'll see it in the form of these retail earnings this week. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.